This is the Chicago Podcast Network. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for downloading this episode of Out Front on the Chicago Podcast Network featuring Nick Sorrentos and A.J. Signeri. On today's show, we're going to discuss the Republican National Convention, the beginnings of the Democratic National Convention, and at some point I'm going to lose my mind. Well, actually, I'm going to lose my mind several times while talking during this conversation because, well... You saw the title of the episode. America is currently experienced what could best be described as a dumpster fire. And uh, we watched it, all of it, and are sad. So, you know, take a listen. Let us know what you think. You can find us on Facebook, Chicago Podcast Network. You can find us on Twitter, at Podcast one And most importantly, you can email us on Gmail, Network at gmail.com. That's the propers. This is the show. Here we go. Hey everybody, thank you for downloading this episode of Out Front with AJ and Nick. I am Nick Sarantos, Editor-in-Chief and Host here on the Chicago Podcast Network, here for Out Front. I am joined over the interwebs and Skype by my good buddy AJ Signeri. AJ, say hello to the wonderful people. Hey, wonderful people. And he means every word of it. So, we've been away. More accurately, I've been away. I went on a... Four-day vacation at the end of the week, which is normally when we record our show, and as a result of poor internet connections on both ends, we were not able to do a show last week covering the Republican National Convention. It is a big mistake on our part, but we now have the benefit of hindsight in a couple days digesting the doom and gloom of their proposals. Also over the weekend was San Diego Comic-Con, so we're going to use that as a buffer to get us through some of the sadder parts. And it is also, we are recording this on Tuesday, July 26, 2016, on the day that Hillary Clinton is expected to accept the nomination. And I say expected to because unless that woman is dead she will stand up high and take that nomination so so much to talk about so much to get into and just honestly not enough time so we may do another show later in the week we may do one over the weekend i don't know but aj i should start this show by saying there's something important we need to announce though what, what 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 someone died who are we talking about in particular miss cleo died the psychic? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, died at 53. I wonder if she'll come back, you know, like psychically, like through, <laughs> through a medium or something. Call me now from the afterlife. <laughs> you know that woman didn't even have an accent? That was a fake accent? I know, right? Everything about that woman was horrible. This is true. She used to, and the worst thing about her was uh, when I lived at my parents' house when I was in college, her infomercials were on in between the infomercials for Girls Gone Wild. So if you didn't finish taking care of yourself to the infomercial for Girls Gone Wild, you had to wait half an hour for Miss Cleo to stop talking or finish during Miss Cleo, which leads to a lot of. Questions? Confusing feelings about your role with Jamaican, large Jamaican, fake Jamaican women. It's like, who are you? Yeah, like I, and, and why did I finish during this? So, I just thought everyone should know this because it's Miss Cleo. Yeah. Actually, I, I, it, it's, it's, 2016 has been a weird year for death, man. A lot of people going. But we have to start, AJ, with Donald Thaddeus Trump. I like calling him Thaddeus because that's just the kind of thing he goes with. <laughs> no, because it just makes it less icky. All right, fine. Uh, what, what is it? <laughs> Donald Jackoff Trump for the J? Yes. Jerk off. You like jerk off or jack off better? I like jerk off. Either way. Yeah, all right. Because it's, it's fitting. All right. So how much of his speech? Did you watch his whole speech? 
I saw the entire convention. Oh, God, so did I. All right, I want to know, what was the longest amount of time you were able to leave the Republican convention on before you had to change channels? Um, well, I changed channel when they're just having, like, lesser-known people speak. Right. And, you know, talking about, <clears throat> this is our party, vote Republican. So I kind of turned channel because I was watching C-SPAN, so I went from C-SPAN to watching Ridiculousness on MTV. So it was kind of like flipping back and forth. So I was watching, you know, Jerry Farwell Jr. talk about his whatever he was talking about and a 16-year-old boy um, getting racked in the nuts with a skateboard mishap. Yeah, so aside Either from... Way, I was watching the same thing. Yeah. My whole thing was I, I the Monday night of the convention Raw was on Tuesday night of the convention SmackDown was on the Raw draft the Raw draft which we don't have time to break that down either but <laughs> and I don't want to because it was so frustrating. Here's the thing though about last week's convention and Donald Trump's speech and all of the speeches that were given with the exception amazingly enough of Ted Cruz who grew a pair and decided to just you know stand up for his principles which. I, I, my favorite thing, and a lot of comedians have jumped on this, Ted Cruz stands up on stage the night before Donald Trump is going to accept the nomination and says, vote your conscience. And the Republican Party goes, no, don't do that. Whatever you do, do not vote your conscience. Vote for Donald Trump. Well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, I, I know why people reacted the way they did, but I also understood why Ted Cruz said what he said. Look, man goes after your wife like that. He said it honestly the next day. Man goes after your wife. You don't endorse him, right? And I agree with that. I mean, it would have been really easy for him to 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 do that and do what was required and all that. And they said, "No, the hell with it." You know, it's it, it it was funny. And then watching Donald Trump's reaction from the stands was great. And then uh, Republican Kendall Mike Pence showed up, which I would make fun of him more. But the Democrats picked Democrat Kendall in in. Tim Kaine, so you know whatever, but he stands up there and, and talks about what a great man Donald Trump is, even though you can tell he's met him like twice. And then the man himself took to the stage to deliver arguably the true beginning of his presidential campaign. And I don't know about you, AJ, but the world's coming apart at the seams, and Donald Trump is the only one that can save us. I believe that now. We were wrong this whole time. Republicans have all the answers, AJ. That's what I learned after four days. This is true. I mean, it's watching this, whatever it was that Trump was spewing, um, it was the most utterly ridiculous piece of rhetoric that I have ever heard in my life. And and I was actually watching it with my, my mom because uh, I, I had to ask, certain questions like, you know, is this how it feels when Nixon gave his acceptance speech or Reagan? Because everything that he was spewing was the same kind of rhetoric that Nixon as well as Reagan was talking about during their respective years in office. And it, it just really baffles me that I don't know what kind of line of profession that Trump has other than marketing, um, that he does what he does, but yet he's the law and order candidate. 
yet he's never been in law enforcement, never been in the military, never served on any um, military whatever type of board in order to have a record of law and order. Um, pom pom. Sorry, you said it twice, man. It had to be done. It had to be done. <laughs> um, it's, 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 it's just really hard to swallow yeah, yeah, a is. person who really feels that there's chaos in the world. And there's not that much chaos. There's chaos, but not the kind of chaos that he thinks there is. And the one thing I got out of it, um, if I can show it up here really quickly, is the actual crux of his administration where he said Americanism, not globalism, will be our credo. As long as we're led by politicians who will not put America first, then we can be assured that other nations will not treat America with the respect that we deserve. The American people will come first again. So, I mean, I, I, I'm just really baffled that there's a little bit of isolationist mentality that he has with this kind of rhetoric. He, you know, what he, I mean, obviously he'll fund <clears throat> or appoint people that he feels, and I can't emphasize feels enough because feel the feelings that he and others have is just atrocious. And feelings over facts does not progress anything at the end of the day. Um, when you feel that certain people need to put American first on whatever they feel that absolute is, is really scary because there are no absolutes. Um, this, this country, the ideas that were put forth were supposed to be evolving, not um, solidified in absolutes. Well, we talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago on one of our shows where I was talking about how you have two parties, one defending the status quo, one more willing to shake it up but still defending it under the leadership of Hillary Clinton. But there's this feeling after four days. This is the thing about conventions that I really do like. It is impossible for four days of live television, especially with 20 excuse me, with 24-hour news networks, for you to hide really anything about what your platform is, about what you believe. And after four days of this crap, it, it's very clear that the Republicans think that America is going to shit and that it's a terrible country and that we need to go back. And this is the thing that bugs me about that phrase. We need to make America great again. And you've talked about it and I've talked about it. Great again How? Great again to when? Great again to the 1950s, which is great if you're white, single, male, and straight. You know, and it, 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 other than that, it's not exactly the greatest time to go back to. You want to go back to the 1980s? Okay, fine. But cocaine was everywhere, and Republicans were offering trickle-down economics that we've proven after 40 years doesn't work. And that's still the policy that they're running. Not to mention, you have a guy standing up on stage espousing the fact that he is going to get America working and get money back into your pocket and all of this shit. And all he's proposed that I can tell is a massive government expenditure towards infrastructure, which is what Bernie Sanders was behind. But also he wants to increase military spending to go fight ISIS. He wants to increase 
the, the tax cuts to the rich to the tune of $1.3 million for the 1% at the top, with no tax cuts for anybody at the lower level. He wants to decrease revenue, increase spending, which is the Republican way of doing politics that has never worked. It didn't work under the second term of Reagan. It didn't work under George H.W. Bush. Bill Clinton did the exact opposite, and then it worked. And then George W. Bush comes in, does the same thing, cut revenue, cut increase spending to pay for military activity and it so shocking enough when you do that when you cut the money coming in and spend more shockingly aj that money doesn't last i don't know why people would think that it would but that seems to be their policy on top of everything else hillary clinton is a war criminal who apparently needs to be locked up and before we move on to anything else i think you and i need to discuss the fat man uh and that's coming from a fat man and i will say to you right now that chris christie made fat people look bad how? By being fat and saying that stupid shit. Because the immediate insult to everybody was, look at the look at big boy get up there and, and do shit. And his speech was as close to a lynch mob I've ever seen on national television. And I watch pro wrestling. Like, that was, I don't know what the hell that was, but it was, it was disgraceful. And it, it was just lock her up. Like, nobody has said that. And they're and they're chanting, is she guilty or not guilty of putting up the like you, you, he was turning them into the the villagers at the end of Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. mean, it was it was just it was insane. It was it, it, it you know it, it it came off the heels of you know I think he spoke the second night, right? So you know it, it, it everything about it was crazy. Not to mention you you had uh, who were the celebrities Scott Baio and Antonio yeah, Scott Sa- Baio, then um... Antonio Sabato Jr. Who I didn't know who he was. Neither, I, here's the thing about that guy. I knew his name, but I did not know what I knew it from. Is that you understand what I'm saying? I did. Yeah, and on me, I didn't know who he was at all. Like you had never heard the name Antonio Sabato Jr. No, I'm like, I'm like, who's this guy? I mean, why are we giving him airtime? Yeah, exactly. Well, why are we giving Scott Bayo airtime? Because it's Chachi. I mean, I give the same argument though to last <laughs> night. I mean, it's Tuesday, the second night of the convention for the Democrats, and. Um, I want to get into it a little bit, but I, you know, you can make the same argument for Sarah Silverman the other night, but we'll get into her a little bit closer to the end of the show. Um, Don't make fun of my ex-girlfriend. Okay, well, you know, <laughs> all right, all right, Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> the the thing with Trump's speech that I think really bothered me more than anything else. This is a moment of historically at least, a moment of happiness, a moment of unity. And I have never seen somebody deliver a speech in that scenario where they are basically calling for the other candidate to be just completely destroyed and belittled. I, I, there are lines. I mean, I, my favorite moment was, that came out of it was, I think it was Seth Meyers did the joke. He goes, and his speech was not off to an honest start. And they cut to him going, I humbly and gratefully accept your nomination for the presidency. And it cuts back to Seth Meyers going, well, that's a lie. You have never done anything humbly in your life. It, it, the, the, the whole thing, the whole speech was just so filled with divisive rhetoric that it, it, it boggles the mind that this is the nominee for a major party in the United States. And you have these people now who have to move. Like, you know who's been silent for, five, for a week and a half now? It's shocking, but he hasn't said a damn word. And it's actually making me respect the shit out of him, which I never thought would happen. You're going to love this. You ready? Mm-hmm. Lindsey Graham. 
Lindsey Graham hasn't said a word in 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 eight days, like publicly. He hasn't he hasn't addressed the speech. He hasn't addressed what happened with Ted Cruz. None of it. Lindsey Graham has been freaking like just not around. And it's because he hates this man, and he hates what he represents, and he hates what he represents to his party. And as much as I hate every one of Lindsey Graham's beliefs, I I at least respect him now as a guy, kind of like Ted Cruz. I hate Ted Cruz's policies. I hate Ted Cruz generally how he feels about people. I love the fact that his children apparently hate him. But at the same time, man had balls he stood up there and did it there's nothing worse to me right now than all these guys like marco rubio even doing his his rock promo video call-in to you know endorse him the whole thing is ridiculous and we haven't even gotten to the fo- my favorite thing about the republican convention by the way can i let me open this up to you aj there are conventions every four years there have been conventions every four years for as long as i've been alive and i have watched the west wing and i've watched house of cards and i've watched all these shows that all deal with political primaries and democratic conventions and all that crap and historically on tv on movies in actual history of things that actually happen because there is such a thing as facts in history the nominee does not speak until thursday night Mm -hmm. does not like there's no question about that the nominee does not speak until thursday night and donald trump couldn't be kept silent on Monday night, right. couldn't be kept silent on Tuesday night, couldn't mm-hmm. stop himself from walking out to hug Mike Pence and give him the most awkward like, offer of a man kiss in the history of a kiss on the cheek, and then spoke Thursday night. He spoke all four nights of the convention. And here's the thing, and I want to talk about this with you. It is an example of the scariest thing and the scariest idea of a Trump presidency, and I will tell you why. Because for four days... Party officials, experienced politicians told him, you can't speak until Thursday. And he went, no, I'm going to do it. People are here to see me. And he went out and ignored everybody because you know that was happening. Mm -hmm. That's how he'll be president. Not to mention, all of this was going on. Trevor Noah on The Daily Show pointed out, he goes, that most political campaigns have a scandal, and the campaign kind of stops and deals with it. There are so many scandals along the Republican side um, that they've basically just become noise. I mean, you found out on day three of the convention before Mike Pence spoke that they offered the vice presidency to John Kasich and told him that he would be in charge of domestic and foreign affairs or, you know, what the president does. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's not a story. Like, this whole thing is insane. And I would feel so much better about the Democrats if they hadn't just shit all over themselves for a weekend. This is the strangest thing I've ever watched. It's like, literally, if, if, if when Rome fell, you could watch it live on television. Right. So I've been talking for a while, and I want, but I want to ask you about that specifically. Does that scare you more than anything else, That the fact that four days people told him not to do something, and he went ahead and did it anyway? That what- doesn't scare me as much as, as to who ran the convention, and that was Paul Manafort. Because we can say all we want that Trump's scary, <clears throat> there's going to be this rise of fascism under Trump. We can say how ludicrous... Uh, Trump is when Luda. Sorry, sorry, sorry. (laughs) The things that you talked about, but we have to understand also 
that even though he is scary, you have to look at the other people who are surrounding Trump because they're going to be the scarier people. It's just like, you know, Adolf Hitler was scary, but Eichmann was scarier. Um, other officials in the party were scarier. There were people on the ground who were scarier. Those are the people you have to worry about. I mean, Hitler, as much as an orator and the, the dictator he was and filled a figurehead position, there were other people within the ranks that did the day-to-day operations and everything. And you look at what Paul Manafort, how he even addressed things like Melania's plagiarized speech, how he addressed um, Mike Pence and the John Kasich thing, um, oh, yeah, we didn't et cetera, et cetera. Into, We didn't even get into Melania's thing. We got to do that, too. And so it's Paul Manafort who... I'm a little bit more worried about because if you have him as your chief of staff, you know, he's going to be the heavy in the Trump administration. So you have to get by him in order to get into the Oval Office. You know what I'm saying? So when you have someone like him and he's, you know, going to pretty much buff up and go to Congress and talk to all the whips and the majority minority leaders and saying, you know, this can get done. If not, we're going to start doing some shit, you know, and we will, and we'll fund lawyers and we'll fund, you know, um, outside groups in order for our way to get done. That's what I'm more afraid of. You know, Trump, the way he says things, the way he conducts himself is scary and we need to be very focused on that. But we have to be very focused from now into November and hopefully not the day after November, who is very, very close to him. And if you look at people like Mike Pence, there's nothing. I don't want to look at Mike Pence, AJ, and you can't make me. <laughs> there's nothing. And it was not just Mike Pence. It was like others. If you look at them and how they address Donald Trump, they don't say Donald or Don as if they're friends. It's Mr. Trump. There was... Or Donald Trump. You know? There's nothing interpersonal about it whatsoever. That was was the other thing. The very thing thing that you were talking about is he's running as if it was a stockholder summit. Exactly. Four days. I was going to say, the weirdest thing to me about all of this has been nobody ever took the stage and told like a heartwarming story about him. Like the closest Except you got, his kids. no, even they didn't tell any. Like, like Ivanka, I think, or was it Tiffany? Told the story of when a friend of hers had died. The first phone call she got, she made, was to her dad. Not he called her; she called him, and that was it. Other than that, they were all business stories, and I get it. They were all raised by their moms. It's not like their fault. But it's just like no business partners came up and told some heartwarming golf story. You know what I'm saying? Like nothing. Nobody right. said anything. There's that great story that came out, uh, and as much as I, you know, hate the man, the one good story that you've got is that story that's from the art of the deal, um, which we're now finding out may or may not be true. But that story of when a woman was going to lose her house, you read about it in the paper and bought her house and let her live in it till she died. Right, right. Like, that's a great story. Nobody brought that up. Nobody brought up anything positive that he had done. It was all he's a great businessman. He's a great leader. And you look at him and go, he's never led anything. 
We've seen what his leadership style is like on The Apprentice. He just pits people against each other. But more importantly, not a single business partner of any note ever stood up there. Not to mention that on the, the night before he spoke, one man who had done business with him, who's also kind of a famous billionaire, is Mark Cuban, went on The Late Show with, David, with, uh, with Stephen Colbert and ripped him apart. He did, uh, I, Mark Cuban drops the gloves and basically did the dozens on Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is what the shit is happening. Not to mention the whole convention started out, and I can't believe we forgot about it after four days of insanity. Melania Trump completely plagiarized the speech of, of, of Michelle Obama, which honestly I don't even care that much about, but somebody did point out to me that it does mean something for how he will run the country, that this is just what he's going to do, and then he's going to ignore it, because that was the other thing. For two days, they just tried to ignore it, and then finally some staffer, oh, no, it was me. And you're like, well, yeah, but the leader doesn't, you know, what's the famous... Truman thing the buck stops here mm-hmm. you know like he's never going to be that guy he's never going to take responsibility for anything his business practices are all bent on ripping people off like the the story if you read the story about the guy from i want to say it was florida working for that golf club down in palm beach that really nice one malala or whatever it is mm-hmm. he, he they built and designed and built the main uh hall of this resort and Donald Trump offered him 25% of what they had agreed to pay him. And the guy's like, what are you doing? You agreed to pay this. And he's like, well, you can sue me, but you'll end up having to fight my lawyers. So he agreed to the, to the little thing to stay in business. And then they offered him half of the 25%. And with the same threat, go ahead and sue me. By the time you get done with it, you'll have spent more on lawyers than you'll have lost in this. And that's how he does his businesses. And if somebody really takes him to court and wins, he declares bankruptcy and keeps all the money anyway. This is how this guy does shit. And then he stands up on stage and tells us all that we're all going to die unless we elect him as the great messiah of the 21st century. Fuck this dude. Right. I mean, I, I, I hate getting into that. I hate getting to the part where I'm swearing about a political candidate. But I just, I have never had this towards a candidate. I didn't like George W. Bush. I didn't hate George W. Bush. I didn't even hate Dick Cheney. I, I didn't think that they were good for the country, but I didn't hate them. I didn't. Well, here's the thing. You know, as I'm listening to Trump, you know, give his speech, um, it was the first time I've, always, I've, I've been fearful of somebody because, and, and, and what, I'm about, what I'm about to say is speculative. But it, there's a there's still a, a genuine concern I feel that when I hear that speech and think of the day after the election and then you know January twentieth when he takes office, I couldn't help to think of what people like myself and others who do things for social change, for the environment, for economic justice, and just think of, you know, are we going to be rounded up? And if so, what does that going to look like? Um, Is it going to be scarier than what we've seen in history? history? Um, Are we going to encroach on new civil liberty laws? that we haven't seen before. And again, this is all speculative and this is all, you know, one could say that it's a big, you know, post Orwellian imagination, but I think it's a concern that needs to be addressed because if you have someone like Trump coming in 
and people like myself and others doing the things that we do, and I'm not talking about Red Scare or anything. I'm talking like bigger than Red Scare. I mean, he's talking about Muslims. He's talking about the Hispanic community, and he's even talking about people disagree with him. Those three no, camps he's alone. He's talking about changing the po- the parody laws. Right. And the comedy law. He's literally talking about changing the way the media covers politicians to make it easier for them to lie. Right. And the weirdest fucking thing about it is that the Republicans are fucking embracing it. That's the stuff that drives me crazy, AJ, because you're right. No matter what you think about people who are out protesting, whether you're Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter, Blue Line, whatever, any of that shit... Most people, I think, respect the idea in America that you can stand up for what you believe in and announce what you believe. You know what I'm saying? In a protest. Mm -hmm. He wants to get rid of that. I mean, like, all the stuff that we take for granted, this man is looking to get rid of. And, And I can no longer fathom how... Relatively intelligent people, because look, if, if you make it to the point where you're worth millions of dollars, you are an intelligent person. I mean, I know that if you're inherited, that's different. But if you're a relatively successful person with a little bit of political influence, chances are you're a lot smarter than even you give yourself credit for. But you are now embracing the teaching of a, of a, of a maniac. He's a maniac. He's an egotistical maniac. There are people who keep saying he's a sociopath. He's what, look. Until you get a guy with a doctorate to sit down and actually interview, you don't know that. But I know that the guy is dangerous. I know that he's going to cut spending on social services like crazy that people require. He wants to eliminate the fucking minimum wage. He wants to lower the minimum wage. Right. And this is all acceptable to people. This is all fine. There, I've said it before on the show, and I'm saying it again. Every single morning, I wake up now, and I read the news, and I just start to think George Carlin was right. Just the hell with it. Don't care about this anymore. Just just watch it end. Like, well, let me ask you this. Are you in a position now where you're going to tell people like myself and others to compromise on our voting and vote for Hillary. Yes. So that was where I was going to lead to with you with this, with this show. I was going to ask you if the fear and the watching of Donald Trump made you realize how close this election may actually be. And that people who, because I have my, like you're, here's the thing. Somebody like you, I would never tell you how to vote. You are very well informed. You know how the system works. You've been part of the system. So I would never insult you, AJ, and tell you who I think you should vote for. Um, I would make my case as to why. Right, this morning for me. What? What'd you say? Someone this morning was asking, was telling me to vote how I should vote. Well, that's the thing. Like, if you're as well informed as somebody like you is, and more importantly, has the connections that you have, I get why you're going to do it. But the best example, you've met him. We've talked about him many times on the show. Dave. My friend Dave always labels himself as a political independent because he just doesn't Mm -hmm. want to tell me that he's a Republican. He is telling me repeatedly that under no circumstances will he vote for either Hillary or Trump, that he's he's just not going to do it. Not going to do it. And I yell at him like dude vote for hillary do what's right suck it up and vote for hillary because if donald he votes in wisconsin so if donald trump wins wisconsin donald trump is president like people don't realize how close this is you showed me that website a year ago that 270 to win Mm -hmm. and i check it every once in a while to remind myself how close it would be it's four states man that's it 
If he wins, that's the thing. I mean, it, all you need is what I call the suicide seven states. Right. That you need to win the big states. Florida, you know? Pennsylvania. If you can get four of those states, you're in. <laughs> you're in. He's going to be the president of the United States. Now I'm going to ask you. I'm not saying right now. But if the rhetoric that he is presenting continues, and if it continues at this level where he is just espousing this scary shit, can you see yourself in a scenario where you vote for Hillary Clinton? I don't know. I really don't know. And that's that's, that's kind of of honest truth. Um, Which is funny to me because I bet if I asked you that question a month ago, the answer was absolutely not. Oh, a month ago I would say no, yeah. Right, so it's slowly going, and that's what I'm hoping happens. Well, here's the thing. So NBC, is a, it's an unscientific poll, but NBC put a poll out and it pretty much had like the four candidates. Um, Clinton, Trump, and Gary Johnson of the Libertarian Party, Jill Stein of the Green Party, right? They had those four. But they also have other, so you can insert your own other candidate, right? So some of us put another candidate who isn't exposed, and that's Mimi Solstic of the Socialist Party USA. Yeah, you've been espousing her all since we started this show. So he's been getting upwards to close to 400 votes, right? What's interesting is this. Again, this is unscientific, so this has no scientific basis whatsoever. But the interesting thing is this. You see, like, Hillary was beating Trump on the poll, right? But then all of a sudden you start seeing Gary Johnson getting at least nearly 20% of the vote diminishing Clinton's percentages and leaving Trump to only 10%. So you had Trump beating Hillary 10% over 7%. 538, the website that Nate Silver runs, just released this thing saying that as of right now, if the election were held today, uh, Trump would win by, what was it, seven points? Six, seven points, yeah. Yeah. And that's why it's so scary, because in any other election, you could go like, yeah, vote for the third-party candidate. It's a na- it's actually a national priority. We need to get to this third-party system. Uh, we need to get out of the two-party bullshit. But at the same time, when one of the nom- – like, the, the people who would push for the third party are, generally speaking, Democrats at this point. And mm-hmm. those people cannot leave right now, because if they do, if they leave even enough of a window for that man to become president, I honestly – I have never been afraid for America. When Bush was president – the second election against Kerry, I wasn't terrified. I just wanted it to stop. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I wanted his policies to stop. I wanted his warmongering to stop. But I wasn't afraid. George Bush, to me, was... This is going to be weirdly phrased, but stick with me. He was a he was harmlessly harmful. Does that make sense? No, because he was an idiot. Right. He had I people mean, surrounding him to get his job done. Right. But this guy... This guy is an idiot with money. And honestly, the thing that nobody keeps talking about, and I think it needs to be talked about more, with no government experience whatsoever at all, none, zero, zero. Let me ask a fair question, though. Because I think it's a fair question, and this is not in defense for Trump, but do you actually need government experience? Because government is a force to begin with. Yes, yeah, it absolutely is, but you need to have a base. Put it to you this way. I can't name all 438 U.S. representatives. Can you? I mean, all of them. Can you name how many that you could really name at the top of your head? Congressman, probably 40. Congressman, I could probably name almost, Uh, or including Senate and House together. Yeah, no, no, just just the Congress, just just House, just the House. I think I probably 
20%. Yeah, okay, I could probably, it's less than that for me. I could probably name about 20 to 30 congressmen off the top of my head. And that's right. it. And those are like top level guys. And I'm not saying that that's like some big weakness. I'm just saying like, it's not important in my life that I know who's the congressman of the fifth district in Tennessee. Like, it's just not important for me to know that. Um, I can name a lot of the senators, but not, I still couldn't name all 100, but I'm not running for president. Okay. I'm not trying to do that. And I'm not saying that, but there's also a thing to having relationships with other politicians and people might shit all over that, but that does count for something. But most importantly, he's never had to deal with a budget that people's lives depended on. Yeah. He's had to deal with budgets for his construction work, but we see how he handles that. He cuts the spending wherever he can and fucks people over. Well, you can't do that in government. So his lack of experience of running any business, he's not even the CEO of a board. You know what I'm saying? He's not the CEO of Trump Industries. He's the figurehead. He's not the chief operating officer. He never ran his own businesses to begin with. He's always installed other people. So he's never done anything on his own. He's an idea guy, kind of. But you can make an argument for that. But that's not good enough to be president. President requires some experience. I'm not saying a lot. But I'm saying a little bit. People shit all over Reagan. He was an actor. But you know what? Reagan fucking was governor of California for eight years before he became president. And whether or not you like any of his policies or whatever he stood for, that does count. He was a severe, a serious politician in a serious state with the, what is it, the world's fifth largest economy? Mm-hmm. Like that man ran a state. He ran, he knew what he was getting into when he became president. He had some backing. Hillary Clinton, former senator, former first lady, lived in the White House, but most importantly, former secretary of state, has relationships with world leaders all over. Donald Trump thinks he met Vladimir Putin once because they were on an episode of 60 Minutes together in separate interviews filmed in separate locations and at no point were ever in the same hemisphere as each other. Yeah, but I know him. He's a great guy. He thinks that Vladimir Putin's a good leader. This is insane. And we're at the 37-minute mark, so is there anything else you want to add to the thing before I move on to the other piece of shit that started yesterday? Because... I I guess here's the thing, and a lot of people know this about me. I mean, I think this is how we view government, is that, you know, unfortunately we view government as like, the thing that generates what the United States is about. But at the end of the day, government is a howled hall. You can remove someone relatively quickly. You can replace mechanisms in order for things to change. But since they don't, because we only put two parties into government and don't really have a... um, uh, a, a more homogenous type of system that you know it, it's it's not going to work for us at the end of the day, and that's why I ask you know if it, if it, if government experience actually matters because you can change government. I mean, you can change it to a model where it's at at the very local, if not state level, and people can take care of themselves at the end of the day. But that takes. Uh, a cultivation of changing the culture, um, as well as a few other things. So, the only thing I will say about the Republican um, convention is this: um, it, this was, if you did not feel that there was an intellectual environment in our country, I hope this convention the last four days was an eye opener. There is. 
this huge movement of people putting feelings over facts that discredits all of us intellectuals that have taken the time to understand theory and put it into practice who really knows the ins and outs of not only government but society and culture and what have you and yet you're going to look at that square in the face saying you're wrong before before we move on i do you mentioned a thing and it's another thing i wanted to get to um feelings over facts did you see the new gingrich thing that they did i think it was on daily show but where new gingrich was being interviewed by cnn and they said that you know, America is actually safer than it was eight years ago. Crime rate is down. He goes, but most of them, and the new Gingrich goes, Oh, well, that was the one-on-one interview? Yeah, most people yeah, don't yeah, feel yeah. that. And he goes, well, feeling is fine, but facts are facts. It's actually safer. Well, people don't feel that way. And what you're saying is true, but what I'm saying is also true because it's a feeling. And they have literally turned it into, what, what is it, truthiness. That's literally what they've embraced. So that's what, what new Gingrich is showing is that, New Gingrich, Ted Cruz, Donald Trump, and others are creating false absolutes. Yeah. That feelings is an absolute, but feelings is subjective. Right. You know, I could tell you that um, McDonald's French fries is the best thing on the planet, and therefore any other French fry other than McDonald's is horrible, even though. French fries uh, a local French business fries. may have like the best right. crinkled French fries ever, but in my view, if I feel it's wrong, then it's wrong. That's absolutely false, and that's what I'm trying to convey to our listeners: is there are many false narratives, and in order to break those false absolutes, you have to. And I'm sorry, but you have to be more literate when it comes to the media. You have to read information you have to ask questions and if you don't then and don't question blame your me sources. and others blame yourself and question the sources that you're getting the information from you know no, I mean, no, Nick no. and I are doing this because we love doing this and, and believe me there are days I know I'm wrong on some things but I will at least admit that my source may be wrong or at least my own thinking may not be um, on the trajectory that it should be all right. Unlike Ted Cruz. Unlike Ted Cruz, which really should just So what be... about the dumpster fire called the dumb, Democrats? Oh, my God. If there's one thing I hate more than Republicans, it's Democrats. I, and it's not for the same reasons, obviously, but it's because they one just... One thing they are, you just, you just won't say it. All right, fine, but it's just because they do things <laughs> so wrong. Everything they do is wrong. Everything they do is stupid. And it's just set up under these ideas, and I'm literally rubbing my eyes closed right now because I'm so frustrated with them. So let me ask you this. Okay. The lineup of speakers they had yesterday. Oh, my God. Now, would I be correct in saying, like, if that was a baseball team and they had their first batter at the first day, the last four they had – which is Booker, Warren, Obama, and um, Brother Sanders. Bernie. Brother Bernie. Those four were like the four biggest hitters they had, and yeah. they used them all. Right. No, it's like front-loading your lineup against like uh, Larry. Who do they have for today, tomorrow, and Thursday? Well, they got Bill. So they got Bill tonight. People want to see okay, Bill. Okay, so they have a designated hitter. Great. Right. And they got Bill. And then, well, listen, Wednesday is Obama himself. 
I mean, the president always... But he's not going to be there, is he? Yeah, he is. He comes in. That's historical. Oh, I thought he was... No, that's historical. That's historically done. The, the, the leader of the party speaks the third night. The candidate speaks the fourth night. That's historical. Unless they're pushing him to Thursday to speak before Hillary, which is a really bad idea. That's like a wrestling thing. You, you think so? Because it could, they'd probably be doing that to say, hey... You know, like the automatic handoff, and now I'm uh, passing the torch off to Hillary. I'm, I'm thinking strictly thinking of the crowd. You can't do that to a crowd. You can't put up your biggest hitter, which is Barack Obama, and that like it's literally like saying, "All right, here's Triple H versus Shawn Michaels in a 60 minute Iron Man match." All right, after that, here's Jericho and <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think of some shitty and, and Rob Van Dam in the main event. Like nobody's gonna be there. Everyone's done at that point. Because they already watched the heavy guy hit. So they have to do them on separate nights, I think. But you here's know, the thing. You know what I, I want to see? And I'm being serious about this. You know I really want to see Thursday night? Who? Hillary speaking, right? Okay. And like halfway in her speech, all the lights go down and Wade Bryan's theme music comes on. And Donald Trump enters in the room. <laughs> And well, everyone has those little lights. I think we had enough. Crowd. I think we had enough pro wrestling and conventions when Donald Trump made his Undertaker entrance the first night. Right. Jesus Christ! Did you see the video, by the way, where they perfectly synced it up with the Undertaker's I music? I loved it. That I was hilarious. Although I felt it was insulting to the Undertaker. It was. Um, all right. Here you go, AJ, and I'm sorry to go off on another long little thing here, but give me a second. I got to get warmed up. Here's the deal. Hold on. Oh, we haven't done it in a while because we've been trying to hide it because it's been guns. Let me get it. There's the soapbox. All right, Democrats, listen up. You can't send emails anymore. Just stop doing it. Go to hand-to-hand notes and then burn the notes like you're a spy. Because I swear to Christ, here you are. You just watched a four-day dumpster fire where insane people were spouting racist rhetoric for four fucking days. And you had every opportunity to load up with every awesome celebrity because they had Scott Baio and Antonio Sabato Jr. You can get literally anybody. And you did a good job. You got Demi Lovato, who I don't know who the hell that is, but I know young people do. So that was an awesome move. You had Sarah Silverman, one of the most beloved stand-up comedians of all time. Then you've got the the baby boomer comedian slash senator in Al Franken. And you've got this amazing stuff going on. And what do you do for the first day? You get hacked and you have email proof that you set up the thing to, to screw Bernie Sanders, which it doesn't really say that if you read it all, but it kind of says that. And if you want to infer that, and if you're one of those insane Bernie or bust people, then whatever. But you can't send emails anymore, Democrats. Just please stop. Just stop doing it. Because... Apparently, you can't do that without fucking us all over. Because you could have had four days of, we are the reasonable party, we are the acceptable party, and then, for the record, Democrats who showed up there to boo Bernie Sanders telling you to vote for somebody, I get where your frustration comes from, but realistically, be an intelligent fan. This is the same shit that pisses me off about sports fans who like talk about trades when they don't make sense. Like, motherfucker... You're at the Democratic convention. You know what's going to happen. Did you see those assholes with the tape over their mouth saying silenced at the Democratic convention? People crying because Bernie's endorsing. Fuck you people. This is a major election. This is not high school prom, and they didn't lose prom queen. Okay, I get why you're upset. Everyone in the world gets why you're upset. But at the same time, you can't just sit there and start shouting Black Lives Matter at Cory Booker, who like, like, like why? Like Cory Booker doesn't support Black Lives Matter? If you're going to be that asshole in a crowd, know what the fuck you're doing. Like, 
everything. And then you got Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who is literally being demonized on the internet for everything that happened with those fucking emails. And what does she do? She rolls into breakfast to give a speech and then is shocked that she gets booed off stage. Democrats can't do anything right when it comes to running elections. When they run the country, they're actually really fucking good at it. But getting elected, they suck at it. Because they could be anointing new congressmen, new senators to battle these people in in, in the upcoming election where, what is it, like 70% of the House and Senate are up for election this year? You could be fighting all of this shit. And instead, you're just playing into their narrative of, well, they can't secure, they're, they're, not, they're not safe for America. And honestly, what is my argument supposed to be when somebody goes, well, you guys can't even send emails? It's like being a White Sox fan right now and somebody going, your team sucks. It's like, yeah, yeah, we kind of do. Like, there, there is, it, it's so frustrating, AJ, to watch this thing start and they start on the worst possible footing. You got Sarah Silverman, a beloved comedian, getting booed off of stage because they hand her a speech and they cut it short and they're telling her all this stuff. And it was just, it was nuts. The whole thing was nuts. Then you bring out Paul Simon to sing, which everyone thought was just weird. The, the whole vibe of this so far has been shit. And tonight, Brother Bill's going to come out and talk. And he's, I don't know if you've seen Bill Clinton give a speech recently, but he ain't exactly Mr. Enthusiasm anymore. So what the fuck are you doing, Democrats? You have every opportunity to kick the shit out of these people, and instead you're playing every card you turn over. It's like they're playing war, AJ, and the Democrats lay down an eight, and then the Republicans go, ha, ha, nine. Like, it's just constant. Every time they play something, it's like they're, they're, they're literally playing exactly into what the Republicans want. It's like they're folding blackjack black, black jack hands on 20 and setting up the ace draw for the Republicans. It's insane. And, and it pisses me off. They, Republicans piss me off because they're racists and they hate people. Democrats piss me off because they are generally right with at least what they talk about and still can't get the message across. You have the moral high ground, and you're surrendering it to an asshole. Like, I, go ahead. I'm done. I'm. I, I just. I wanted to get that out. Four four day dumpster fire, and what do we do? We started an email scandal. Like the worst possible thing you could do. Okay, pick up the soapbox now. Would you like one? No, I just want to somewhat, somewhat. I don't Calm me down because I'm about to go kill calmly. something. Um, express this. <clears throat> this is why I'm not a Democrat. Because they can't send emails? It's not just that. You, you, here's what bothers me the most about Democrats. You say that you're the party for labor, for women, for civil rights, for all these things. So it must be great to become opportunists when you're saying that because not a single thing that you say are the very things that you've done. What bothers me the most is that when you get people on the stage and they're saying, you know, I love this party because they have done X or have done Y, but there have been other people who laid that groundwork before they ever came into the picture. And when they say that they are the party of Lyndon Johnson, the party of Kennedy, the party of FDR, how soon have they forgotten that it was all of us 
that had the pulse in society that was moving legislation to have better labor rights, to have civil rights, to have all these things. To protect collective bargaining for workers. And yet you're going to take the credit saying, well, we passed this because you only had two options, us or Republicans. It must be great to be to stand on the back of, to stand on the back of giants and say look how tall I am you know no I agree with you there there is that aspect too not to mention the fact that look I was I will say this about Monday night at the Democratic convention when Bernie spoke you got to give him credit he nailed it so did Michelle Obama by the way and I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about Michelle Obama's speech because as much as I love her it was an inconsequential speech Mm-hmm. In, in the long run, you know what I'm saying? In the long right. run. It might have set her up for office later, um, which gets into the whole ol- oligarchy thing that I don't want to even touch. But she she gave a great speech. But Sanders stood up there, and to his credit, and this is the part I wanted to talk to you about when it comes to Bernie, because I know how when this whole thing started, you were upset that he had joined the Democrats and didn't run as an independent, which I totally got. But he accomplished his main goal which really wasn't to be nominated. He drove that party so far to the left that they announced last night that they're fighting that on their platform, which if people don't understand what that means, it means in the upcoming election, the things that they will be talking about were discussed beforehand in a committee. Mm-hmm. And the big things that he got out of that was, number one, the college tuition for anybody, was it under $183,000 a year, will be free at state schools. Like that's, I'm not saying it will be, but that's what they're going to fight for. Right. And then the other one that was big was he wants to, he fought and got into the platform with Hillary Clinton on the ticket with all of her Goldman Sachs money to agree to fight for a 20th century, a 21st century Glass-Steagall Act to be spearheaded by Elizabeth Warren. I mean, that's a big fucking deal. That's exact. Those are the two big things that he was arguing for his whole campaign. So that's a major thing. Also, to rebuild infrastructure, he got into their bill, you know, in, into their into their rules. I mean, that's a ma- those are major accomplishments by that man, and I was really happy to see that. And then he endorses Hillary Clinton, which is what he was there to do, and the Bernie or bust people booed him because they're idiots, because they are idiots. I cannot say that enough. They are idiots. You don't boo the guy there. And I'm not saying that because it's not how you feel. I don't give a shit. You need to be smarter than the Republicans if you're going to do this. And the number one thing you need to do is to show party unity. That needed to be shown last night, and it was not. And it was not shown by stupid-ass delegates who don't know how to keep their fucking mouths shut. And I'm sorry to be the guy shitting on... I'm sorry to be the guy shitting on people who stand up and voice their opinion because nothing, if not having this podcast, means that I believe that you should do it. But there is... There is a way to do it and not hurt your own cause. And you hurt your own cause last night, whether you understand that or not. And that was incredibly stupid of those people to do. Do you think I'm wrong when I say that? Or do you understand the point that I'm trying to make? No, and I think this is another thing that people don't get um, when they're looking at conventions. You had both the Republican and then the Democrat convention. You have delegates who have been to the convention for the first time. And because of that... They think it's a free-for-all, you know, that you go to convention and you do certain things. Well, you don't understand that the convention is business, you know. Um, the beauty about C-SPAN is you get to see everything. You don't, you know, when you watch media, mainstream media, they're going to show you the highlights and then they'll 
go to commentary while someone else is talking, whereas C-SPAN, you can see what's going on, right? So it's an actual convention where you're voting on the rules, you're voting on the platform, you're voting on all these things, and there's people in there who did not know what this stuff meant. That they didn't realize that you're there to vote on these things, you know? And that's why I find it very appalling is that you become a delegate and you don't understand what your own party that you're a delegate for is about, you know? And, yeah, the, the platform may be a little bit more progressive than years past, but we also have to understand that is someone like Hillary or anyone else going to uphold the platform? Because nothing pisses me more off than Republicans and Democrats saying we have a platform, but they don't do a damn thing about it, you know? No, I Whereas agree with you. People who have platforms, and we say this is our platform plank, and this is what we actually believe, and this is how we actually conduct ourselves. We actually want to say we want to pull out of the Middle East. We yeah. want to have at least th three months maternity leave. We want to whatever, you know, whereas these platforms, it's just nice things saying we want the minimum wage to be 15. We want Glass-Steagall. We want all this. But are they actually going to do that at the end of the day? Other than having a document saying this is what we're fighting for. No, I agree but with you. And that is 100% true. It was just nice that he got it at least into the platform. Because without him, that wouldn't have even happened. And, then, and, then, and that's why I actually saw that platform committee. And I applaud him. And he had people on that committee that I was surprised that were there. Like you had Cornell West doing what he does best. You know? Who stood up there and actually injected consciousness about what's going on with Palestine and Israel injected consciousness when it comes to Black Lives Matter as well as economic justice and everything. If you didn't have someone like him, then you're going to have the same people on the platform committee saying, well, we're going to do this and not that. Right. Which And, and again, that's a major accomplishment that he managed to get done. But <sighs> Bernie Sanders took the stage and people booed him for endorsing Hillary Clinton. And, and it's just that moment where you're going, know what you're doing. Like you're saying, if you don't, the people who went there who were first-time delegates who were doing that shit or people who were just in the crowd doing that shit don't understand where they're at and they don't understand what's happening. And I think this is where my wrestling fandom comes into play. There is a movement in pro wrestling it's called, uh, for lack of a better term, it's, and, and you've seen it, and you've heard John Cena make jokes of it, but it's called, uh, it's, it's little kids, let's go Cena, and everyone over, over 30, Cena sucks. Like, that's uh. just this thing. And it's a wrestling crowd. And last night's Democratic was a wrestling crowd. Mm -hmm. That was it. You had a bunch of shitty internet people. So you're calling Bernie Sanders Cena? Yeah. No, I'm calling Hillary Clinton Cena. Oh, okay. Hillary Clinton is Cena. Really? Bernie, you think so? Yeah, Bernie Sanders is CM Punk. That That's literally what Continue. it is. Continue. No, li literally, that's what it is. Bernie Sanders shows up and drops pipe bombs on people about what's actually going on, and then John Cena shows up, or Hillary Clinton, and points to funny pictures, and he's all nice, and, and like nothing bothers me, and nothing bothers me, and nothing bothers me. The thing that I think really annoys me the most about Hillary Clinton, and I've said this to you before, this is a woman who could kick ass. 
Like, I'm tired of her playing the grandma. I'm tired of her playing the nice mom. I'm sick of that shit. That is not who she is. This is a kick-ass woman who has dedicated her life to public service. And you can think what you want about the scandals or whatever, but this woman has dedicated her life to being bullied and vitriol and just hate thrown her way. And she is constantly fighting. And she's a kick-ass warrior. She's fucking Wonder Woman. And she acts like she's Jean Grey. To put it in a comic book parlance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you understand what I mean by that? Like she, she plays. Well, it. she's actually Phoenix. Fair enough. And and then, but well, they they talked about it on the West Wing, right? The two Bartlets. There's a famous episode of the West Wing. Right. For those of you who don't know, where Toby, the speechwriter, says, "There's, I want you to know, sir, that no one speaks with less respect of you when you're in the room or out." And the president goes, "But." There's always concern amongst your staff, amongst the two Bartlets, who's actually going to show up. One is the Nobel laureate, the ass kicker, who, who with a mind and an intellect unlike any on the earth. And the other is the dotty professor who shows up full of folksy charm. And both are fine, but you choose the one that's safe for all zip codes and the dotty professor when you are, be what you are. And that's how I feel about her now. Be what you are. Be the badass that you are. Because if she gets up on Thursday and gives the same stump speech that they've ever given, my roommate, Pat, and he and I disagree on a lot of politics, but he made a great point last night when we were watching the convention, and he said the problem with the Democrats this election is they think that if they run the collection like they've run every election beforehand, that they will win, that this is like any other election, and it is not. You can't be nice. You can't be kind. You need to kick this racist motherfucker's ass in every setting. And it can't just be in the debates. That's not going to be enough. It needs to be in every speech, in every public appearance. You need to be a badass. You need to be the one. You think that you're, literally her message should be, you think he's tough because he goes up on stage and talks shit? I once stood in Lebanon and negotiated for hostages. I've sat in the room with Vladimir Putin and basically told him to go fuck himself. I am that person. I am the person who, when you watch movies about the powerful people, that's fucking me. And whether or not you agree with everything that I stand for, you know that I'm the president of the United fucking States, not a blowhard from a reality show. She can do all of those things, but she's going to show up and she's going to be nice. And that's going to fuck her over and that's going to be why she loses. She needs to kick his ass. and She's not going to do it. And that's what I truly think. Do you think I'm wrong? Um, I, I really feel that um, Hillary has a plan, and unfortunately, she's just you know in this pandering state until Thursday happens, and then after Thursday, it's gloves off. I hope it's gloves off. I want to see and, Hillary with the gloves off, and that and that's what's going to happen. And unfortunately, it's going to be. A very bloody um, fight between those two, especially given the fact that both of them uh, know each other. That's true. I, I also think, though, that there's an aspect of this that you could be argued that her main strength in this is going to be that she's been bullied for 25 years and is used to it. Mm-hmm. And Donald Trump has the skin of. I don't know, a sheepskin condom. Like, mm-hmm. it, he, he will rip so easy when she insults him even a little bit. And that's going to be his undoing, is like her getting him to just have a fucking meltdown. 
And, and, and I think that she can do that if she's who she is. So we'll wait and see. Uh, we've done our hour, AJ. We're coming up on the end of this thing. Is there anything else we want to talk about? We could do Comic-Con later in the week and have some fun with that um, if you want. Or we can, you know, what do you want to do? I'm just sad that Miss Cleo died. All right. Well, we brought it full circle, folks. <laughs> we brought it right back to where we started with the death of Miss Cleo. Oh, uh, for those of you listening who haven't heard, saw Star Trek Beyond. All the reviews are accurate. It's a f- phenomenal movie. Uh, if you get a chance to see it, also Anton Yelchin is great. There's some great Easter eggs. Also, keep your eye out for the spore plant from the episode of the original series where Spock smiles. Um and let's see what else is going on in the world that we should talk. Oh, Justice League released a trailer. Check that out. That was really cool. I actually am excited for that movie now. And anything else going on in the world? Oh, yeah, Bill Clinton speaks tonight, so check that out if you're listening to this show on Tuesday. Other than that, Hillary will speak on Thursday. If possible, and if AJ is scheduled and I match up, we'll do a show Friday talking about her speech, comparing the two. Uh, other than that, I got, I got nothing except to say uh, vote for Hillary, uh, please. Please do, especially if you're in a swing state or if you're listening in Belgium and you're an American, which we have like five listeners in Belgium, by the way. So if you're American expatriates, get your absentee ballot and vote Hillary. Uh, That's coming from me, not from AJ. But I'm just saying, if you don't want Donald Trump to be president, suck it up, vote Hillary. Nobody likes it, but sometimes you got to take your medicine. So anything else, brother? No, man. All right, uh, call him now. You can call him on one nine hundred Miss Cleo, and AJ will answer your questions about love, and then explain why Nick will never have it. I'm sad now. I see it in your future. No, you don't. That's a lie. Yeah, it's love from you though. It's not the romantic love. I mean, and what I pay for by the hour doesn't count. So talk to me on October fifteenth of this year. All right, brother. Uh, AJ, say goodbye to the people. Bye, people. No, 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 no. You did it already. Do the Miss Cleo, God damn it. <laughs> Bye, people. Your Jamaican was subpar at best. Subpar. Because I'm laughing. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been uh, Out Front on the Chicago Podcast Network with AJ Signeri and Nick Sarandos. Uh, I am the editor-in-chief. He's the other host. We have... Uh, well, many places you can contact us. You can find us on Facebook, Chicago Podcast Network. You can find us on Twitter, Chi-Town Podcast One. And you can email us on Gmail, Chicago Podcast Network at gmail.com. All of those wonderful ways for you to tell us how right or wrong or in the middle you think that we are. Other than that, the last expression that I have to say to you is the expression for which we end all shows, and that is, we out! It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas. Half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. You have been listening to the Chicago Podcast Network.